0: You guys can go ahead and be seated. Now, I've had to learn in my lifetime that when someone asks you if you like their new outfit or if you like the meal that they just made for you, they really don't want your opinion. And when you give your opinion, sometimes even though they just asked you for it, your opinion is unwelcomed because what they really wanted from you was just your affirmation. Have you experienced this before? Yeah, okay. The guys reluctantly are like, no, uh, maybe, yes, kind of. Uh, it, we, we've seen this, where someone has in their head what they want to do, and maybe they have questions about Maybe they're doing something they know they shouldn't do, But we still see people crave this affirmation of their choice from other people to make themselves feel better about it. I mean, we've probably, most of us have been in the situation where a person comes to you who just, you you just finished the conversation with them where they said, I am not going to date for a while. Like, I'm just going to get myself right and I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to do some healing. And then like the next day, they're like, you're going to love my new boyfriend, I mean, he doesn't have a job right now and he can't drive a car and he is on house arrest and he's a little bit behind on his child support payment to his baby mamas, but he's the sweetest guy. What do you think of him? And your opinion gets invited, but you already know your opinion isn't going to be welcomed. And it's easy to kind of pick and point and make fun of the shoe when it's on somebody else's foot. But I feel like the way that those people receive our very wise advice is often the way that we receive the correction and instruction of Scripture. I feel far too often within circles of Christianity, we look into the Bible not to be taught by it, but to find reinforcement of the decision that we have already made. And church, that is a destructive place to be. And my encouragement for you today, what I wanna talk about today is the power of the word of God, the authority of the word of God. And I want to refresh our perspective on the fact that we are people who need to be taught by the word of God. The Bible is not something to reinforce your views, but the Bible is something that should be redirecting the heading in the course of your lifetime. Today, we're gonna be looking at a passage from 1 Kings chapter 22. If you have your Bible, open up to the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 22, and we'll project these on the screen As I read them, we're going to start with this first section of 1 Kings 22, starting at verse 4. And to give you just a little bit of context about some of the names that are in here, because I know these are not like Chris and Dave names, like these are older Israel names, and they may not be familiar to you. First of all, one of the names that you'll see up there is Jehoshaphat. He was king over Judah. And Jehoshaphat, he was a pretty good king. His dad was a good king guy and tried to do what was right because a lot of the kings in, in the time of Israel, the time before Jesus, they were evil. And one of the other kings in here you'll see him referred to as the king of Israel or Ahab. Ahab was straight up evil. I mean, his wife Jezebel, that's where the term Jezebel comes from because they did so much for foreign gods. They did so much against the one true God, and they were evil. And Jehoshaphat is friendly and is friends with Ahab and ends up making this treaty with him. And so we're gonna jump into the passage with a little bit of that understanding. So he, Ahab, asked Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? All right, once again, time out. This was a section that had belonged to the nation of Israel, but had been taken over by another nation. And a treaty was made three years prior that said that that city, that area was supposed to go back to Israel's property, but they haven't given it back yet. And so he's asking Jehoshaphat, will you go with me and fight to take back the city that was once ours? And Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first, seek the counsel of the Lord, So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or should I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. All right, so they had this situation where the two kings are making the discussion, and Ahab, the evil king, is asking a godly king, will you join with me and go take back this land that should be ours? And he he has this unity with him, and he says, my stuff is your stuff, my life is your life, let's fight this together, it's going to make our nations safer, let's do this. But Jehoshaphat had that that internal compass that said, God should be a part of this though. And so he said, let's seek after the Lord. And so Ahab assembled 400 prophets, and they had unity I mean, if you can imagine a group of 400 people making a decision together and all of them crying out, let's do this, let's go for this, God is going to be in this. But it says they were prophets, but it doesn't say who they were prophets for. Because Ahab's prophets weren't prophets of the Lord. And first of all, Jehoshaphat, he should have first of all had an alarm go off of why doesn't this other king want to talk to God about what's going on? And in fact, if I look through the history and I know this person and I know his wife and I know what he's done, those all should have been alarm bells that were going off for him of of the decision to be a partner with him in this battle. And when we think about making decisions, we know that if you have a crowd behind your decision, no matter how wrong your decision is... You feel celebrated. You feel like it must be the, if people agree with me, if I got 400 likes on my post, I should definitely do it, right? That's how we make wise decisions in our age. If I get a lot of feedback on social media by strangers and people who don't mind seeing me hit rock bottom, then that must be wise. Uh, There's nothing new under the sun, people. Like, there's nothing new. It might take a different form, but it's exactly the same thing. Just because you have popular vote does not mean it's wisdom. Just because a crowd will affirm you and say, yeah, do what you feel. do Go take back what you want. You deserve it. Even if you can't afford it, just charge it. Just get it. You do you. You take care of you. Not much has changed on that. Jehoshaphat is in this situation where he's being brought into this and he says, you know what? Let's ask God and then they ask God but they have these other voices and this is, <laughs> this is an interesting thing that's about to happen in the passage because so many of us would just stop and say, okay, people said I should do it and, and so we'll do it but, but we're gonna see that Jehoshaphat he recognized these weren't actually prophets of God because go, go ahead and go to verse seven. It says, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? So we're in Israel and, and Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah. It's, it's, the nation had separated into two halves and he's asking, okay, where's the prophets of God? Verse eight, the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, there is still one prophet through whom he, who we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. But always bad, he's Micaiah, son of Imlah. He never prophesies anything good about me. Now this is a tension because man, you could really wrap up a study about American churches and perspective of the one that they wanna find because often people in our nation, they just wanna find the church that's gonna tell them, all of your decisions are good decisions. As long as it's what you really feel like you should do in your heart, your heart is your guide. This is a very popular sentiment that flies in the face of the book of Jeremiah that says the heart is deceitful above all else. Our heart is not a good guide. The Apostle Paul says we can't judge our own motives, let alone judge the motives of others. The heart cannot be our guide. The word of God has to be the authority. And when our heart wells up and says, I really want to go and take this for myself, but the word of God says that is not for you. We We don't acquire things that way. That's not the way that you're supposed to achieve wealth. Wealth is not a bad thing, but you don't get it that way. You don't cheat for it. You don't lie for it. You don't use dishonesty to to reach financial gain. The word of God has to be what directs us. But but the king says, I don't like that prophet because he always prophesies against me. Sure, his prophecies come true, but that doesn't matter. I want someone who's going to say what I want to hear. and i don't i hope you don't feel depressed when you come to church i hope you feel encouraged but i hope you feel challenged i hope you feel motivated to apply the teaching of scripture to your life but there and i get i get i've gotten pushback in our church from people about this where I'll talk about things that a believer will go through and they will tell me the children of God are not meant to go through difficulty. And I'm like, 1 Peter 5.10 says, after you have suffered a little while, he himself will make you strong, he will restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Now, I understand your heart wants to say, God loves you so much, he will save you from all difficulty. But if you teach that from the pulpit, people's experience will teach them what you have taught is a lie. And when Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, then you must pick up your cross and follow me, that does not sound like just health, wealth, and prosperity. I do believe that God has great blessings in store for his children. I believe that God will never forsake you, that no one could pluck you from his hand. He has great things in store for you, but he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And in that place, you you will learn that his presence, that his rod and his staff will comfort you. That he is enough when all of the things of the world get taken away. And the danger of becoming a Christian who just looks to only hear the encouraging, the happy, that everything is gonna come easy, that it doesn't matter what you choose, it doesn't matter how you live. Listen, scripture is clear. Faith without works is dead, and works without faith is dead. Both must be together. And if you say, I have a faith, but I just live however I want to live, you have fallen into a lie about who God is and about who you are. Because God is just and God is holy, and He has taught you and told you in Scripture to be holy as He is holy. And if you think that you have the authority to speak over the voice of Scripture, you have believed a lie about yourself. King Ahab said, Well, I'm just going to find the prophets who say what I want to hear. So many in America have said, well, I'm just going to find the preacher who affirms the choices that I make. The authority in the pages of Scripture, the power of the Word of God. I mean, you ha- go back to the very beginning. The power of the Word of God was such that when God spoke, the universe is exploded into being. And the earth was established. And the principles of science were set up across the world at the power of his word. Scripture refers to Jesus as the word of God. And then we were given the word so there would would be no confusion about the way to live. And so my heartbeat for this year, I I want to teach about the word of God, but I also wanna set just a little bit of vision of why we're gonna do what we want to do. I believe that when the church gets into a position where they start to study the word of God together and apply it to their life, we see the church do incredible things. It's an interesting thing because we think so much of you know studying because we love the idea of academics. We we think one of the highest ascensions that you can go into any area is when you have a deeper and deeper understanding of academics. And so the more that you know about scripture, the better. And so we think when we read passages about studying scripture together, we think about getting alone and just going on a deep dive where where we study the original language and the context and the history. But I want you to begin to reframe your understanding that when you see them talking about studying scripture, the way that they studied scripture was in the temple together at that time. Almost every example that we have of them studying and discussing scripture was happening in community because when you have to say what you believe, it forces your psychology into a place of saying, if I've said it out loud, I have to back it up with actions. When you say what you're going to do and who God is and you talk about that with your friend, your wife, your children, it pushes you to this place where you naturally go, I've said it out loud, I've got to live it out better. But when we study things in secret and silence and we don't discuss it with anyone else and we haven't said what our position really is on God, it makes it a lot easier for us to be lukewarm. And so first we need to develop our knowledge of scripture but I wanna tell you the best way to develop your knowledge of scripture is gonna be in a community setting where you have someone else that you're talking about what you're reading. But it's hard because we, we all like our different flavors of things. Like when I study, I like to do it this way, and they study, they like to do it this way. And so we don't really match up. And so one of the things that we're going to do over this year is, is we're going we're gonna to read, this is called the story. And it, it is just a retelling of scripture, and it's using the exact verses of scripture, but it's reordered. And, and it reads like a chapter book where it starts off with the creation, and you have passages in Genesis and a couple summaries where it's going to bring you through the entire story of Scripture together in 31 weeks. And the intent is that we as a church will read through this together just one chapter a week. And I know you can read more than that. You might want to read the same chapter seven times over. You might want to continue your Bible reading plan and add this on top of it. But the goal of this is that if all of our church commits that this year we're gonna read this just one chapter a week, and then we will have that one section of scripture reading that we can discuss with anyone at Gulfside, and it's gonna propel you into this place where I don't just park my butt at Gulfside, but my belief is actually gonna be coming out of my mouth in conversation with other people, and it's gonna push your faith to maybe a level that you haven't been yet, and maybe you're a mature Christian and you spend a lot of time in the world, or in, in the Word. This is going to give you an opportunity to help give a, a hand up to someone who is just starting. And uh, be, be, I'll get back to the message in a second here. Uh, I'm gonna. We're, I ordered a bunch of these. If you if you order one of these on Amazon, it costs twenty bucks to get one. All right. I was able to get a deal because I ordered a bunch of them and. Um, I got them for five bucks each, but here's the deal. I will only sell them to you in packs of four. So you can get four of them for 20 bucks or you can get one of them on Amazon for 20 bucks. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to buy a four pack and I want you to find three people who will go through this with you. And you can use me as an excuse, my freaking pastor making me do this, he wouldn't sell me just one, and so I have three of them and I don't wanna be wasteful, so would you read this with me over the next 31 weeks? Do it, I don't mind taking the blame for it. I might get the treasure in heaven that you would've got if you just owned it, I don't know, we'll find out when we get there. But either way, I'm good, all right? Um, But we'll have these available, and, and so in two weeks, we're going to do one more week where we're just talking about the importance of the word of God before we get into the story together. But I want you to just mentally say, okay, start praying about God. Who are the three people that I could invite in to do, do this with me? I'm going to tell you, uh, pa- pastor says moment. If you're, if you're married in here and you guys are here together, you have to include your spouse on this. Begin that conversation and say, okay, we're going to do this together, and we'll bring in at least two other people with us. You guys both might want to buy a set of four, so you can both invite three people. And if you haven't been part of a small group yet, you might say, hey, I want to start a small group where we meet and we just talk about the message from Sunday and our reading from the story for a week. There's going to be a small group that's starting just to do this that you're going to be able to see on your way out today, as well as there's going to be other small groups you can learn about on your way out through the lobby today. But this is is the reason. That when we see people studying scripture, when we see people seeking the will of God, when we see people in the Old Testament hearing from the prophets, it was always, it was happening in community. Other people were there, other people were hearing because it pushes your faith beyond this level of privacy. And so what we want to do through the, through the story and what I want you to make sure that you have an appetite for in this new year is understanding my knowledge of scripture should increase my knowledge of what is written and taught in scripture should increase in 2023. Not only should my knowledge increase, but my view, pastor word coming up, the preeminence, the fact that what scripture teaches is above all other teachings. That all other life coaches, all other sayings that rhyme and sound trendy, all other bumper stickers and t-shirts that I've read that I thought were cute and smart, above all of those things, above my own opinion, is the preeminence of the teaching of Scripture because it is the Word of God. And there is no other wisdom that will lead me to happiness. There is no other wisdom that will lead me to truth. There is no other Wisdom that will lead me to the purposes of God being lived out in my life better than the teachings of Scripture. It is the authority. And so the knowledge of the Word of God should grow. The preeminence of the Word of God should grow. And the application of the Word of God must grow in our life. To read the Word of God and not apply it is to like, look, is like looking at a mirror and forgetting exactly what you look like. The word of God teaches you about yourself, it teaches you about the world, but it is not something to be understood, it is something to be applied. Because this is the foolishness, to say, okay, there's a prophet and he speaks the word of God and the prophecies that he preaches come true, but I don't like him because I want him to say something else. That is absolutely foolish. But look, at, look what happens, we're going to go to verse 13 in this chapter. They sent a messenger to get Micaiah, and, and the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look. The other prophets, without exception, 400 out of 400 are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Now, I want to pause for a second so you make sure you have the correct theological understanding going to this passage. Prophets were not Jesus. Prophets were not sinless. There were prophets who did good things that made mistakes and did things the right way. And there's prophets who did things the wrong way. And I can't give you a definite answer to, was this really the appropriate way to do this? I think there was a very high level of sarcasm in what was said, and and, and you'll see why. And so Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Verse 15, when he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? And he said, attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Now the way that he said that, there must have been some serious sarcasm or something because verse 16 says, the king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Like, there's obviously some sarcasm or anger or something in his voice because the king could tell he was not giving him the answer that he really believed. In verse 17, Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me but only bad? You know, it's good to seek what does God actually say about that? It's part of wisdom to say, okay, what does God say? But the preeminence, the fact of what God says matters most, it gets missed here because they, they, they don't care. They, Ahab wants it. He wants to go for it. He has 400 other voices that are saying do it, and so they go into war anyway, and Ahab gets killed. Ahab has great armor on. He's, he's hiding. He's camouflaged. He, he didn't wear his normal royal garb. He's dressed like a commoner, so no one can even see who he is. But there was a common archer who just shot an arrow into the, the mass of troops uh, from Israel, and that armor hit right in the gap of Ahab's armor, and it slowly killed him on the field of battle. In the hindsight, maybe, of the foolishness to say, I know this is outside of what God has said, but I'm going to do it anyway. It results in pain, it results in destruction, it results in embarrassment. And I know with hindsight, we can see it. We may not welcome anyone else's opinion to tell us that's what we did, but we know when it's been done. And if you go into this adventure of moving through the entire story of Scripture, like I, I really think you guys are going to love this because it's going to give you a concise view of the entire story of Scripture because there's this truth that, you know, we get this over picture where God is moving from like he sets up paradise. And then there's Israel and then Jesus and the New Testament church and he brings it back to paradise and you're gonna see this rhythm of the entire story of scripture that maybe you've never got to see before. But at the same time, you're gonna see this on the dirt level of the way that God worked with people and reacted to people and helped and loved and moved towards people. You're gonna see both of these things over the course of 31 weeks. But one of the things that I know you will find is you will find places where God is saying that attitude needs to change. That addiction that has been in the dark, as painful as it is, it needs to move out into the light. The way you've been living in that area, God is going to find these places. As your knowledge of the word of God grows, he's going to convict and he's going to guide. And then you're going to have to choose whether or not the word of God is preeminent in your life. Will you trust him as you study his word? Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, speaks of the word of God this way. And it says, for the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That is what the word of God will do in your life. And there's part of us that recoils it says, I don't want my attitudes to be judged because when we think of judgment, we think of getting in trouble. But when we think of God's judgment through the word of God in this way, we need to think of getting free. God is gonna release me from what I've been bound in. He's gonna free me from that behavior. He's gonna free me from that problem that keeps coming up. The word of God is alive and active. And I know that if you've read scripture through a few times, you've discovered God speaks to you from the same passage differently every time because it's alive, it's active, it's doing work. As you study scripture, most of us have discovered that we have a problem with pride as we discover scripture. The rest of us haven't studied scripture enough to discover that yet. It's funny, when we talk about you know, all of us having issues with pride, we're like, yeah, the rest of them have issues with pride. And there's so many areas, and I'm going to tell you, it is such an amazing feeling. When you get past the fear of what happens if I have to say I did that wrong. When you can get get past the fear of what happens if I need to admit I don't have it all together right now. The freedom that you find in that place, the joy that you find as you get to live in the light. We often want to use the word of God as a sword to cut other people, but I'm going to tell you this passage is focused on what it does inside of us. And that's one of the other things I remind you as we get into the word together. Study the word for yourself and not for anyone else. Study for what it means that you need to change, not what you need to apply to your brother-in-law or your neighbor who never cuts the shrubs correctly. It's a sword that does surgery on us. You could call it a scalpel if you want. But the way that we receive it, there's two different passages that talk about the way that we receive the word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to a new church in Thessalonica. And he says, For you know that we have dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That is awesome. I love the picture of the the urging and the calling that we're called into. is not just his kingdom but his glory. Verse 13 goes on to say, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. This is a reality. Those of you who believe that your faith is is not just there, but it is your faith and your action, your faith and your works that get applied to receiving the word of God, you're going to see it do work in your life. It will transform families. It'll transform relationships. Band, if you guys want to make your way up, um, that timer is going faster than it is supposed to. Um, But Hebrews 4.2 contrasts that, And I want to make a note as we read the Hebrews 4 passage. Hebrews chapter 4 is the same chapter that the verse was that said that the word of God is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. Like the same chapter that was written that describes the power of the word of God. It precursored the statement of the power of the word of God. And it said, for we have also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. The faith of those who obeyed. It's a tension in the way that our language works because it's like, I believe that, but I don't live it out. As gently as I can possibly say to you, if you would say, I believe in Christ, but I don't follow his teaching." you don't believe in Christ. You don't believe in the Christ of the Bible because the Christ of the Bible called people to repentance. He loved the sinner, but he continually told them, go and sin no more. His teachings of righteousness, his example of righteousness were above anything else that had been in the history of Israel. And I I make that statement not to bring guilt, but to urge you as a father would urge a child, as a brother would implore another brother, and say, the way that you live matters. And when we hear the word of God speak, it has to be applied. I'm gonna wrap it up and I'm gonna close it with this this illustration. You know, once upon a time I had some back pain and I, I went to a physical therapist and was like, my back, it hurts, I can't do stuff, please help me, and they said, okay, here, it's not too bad, here's a sheet of exercises you need to do, do them, and it'll strengthen, and it'll get better, and you'll be fine, and so I take the exercises home, and I put them on my nightstand, and after a few months, I'm like, man, this is not getting any better, I need to fire my physical therapist, I mean, sure, it doesn't matter that I never did the exercises, but I brought it home, and I put it on my nightstand, Maybe if I find another physical therapist to give me some different instructions that I won't follow, it'll get better. So many have been like, I have a Bible on my nightstand. I don't know why my life isn't getting better. I don't know why my relationships aren't getting better. I don't know why my peace is gone. Sure, I don't follow any of the teachings of scripture. 2023, is another opportunity in the road to say, my knowledge of the word of God is going to increase. My respect for the preeminence of the word of God in my life is going to increase. And the action that I take in living it out is going to increase. But there'll be a decision that you need to make at that. Let's pray together. Father, Would you convict, would you bring our rationale to the point that it needs to be where we see eternity for what it is and this moment for what it is that we have a decision to make that will matter not just for this lifetime, but for the lifetime of our children and our grandchildren and our neighbors and the people who will follow our footsteps in this church, the way that we live matters, that there's a moment that we need to grab a hold of right now where we say we will live following your teachings, Christ. And we won't be people like Ahab who hear the voice but never follow it. We won't be people who are like Jehoshaphat who hear the voice of God and know that we need to hear it but don't follow it. We will be a people who follow your voice when you call, Lord. Give us the strength and the courage to do so in Jesus' name.